You are listening to the official podcast of Grace Atumwa, Episode 10. Part of what made 2020 so hard is that we stopped seeing each other. We were so overwhelmed and so afraid that it became very difficult to truly see people close to us or far from us. It was as if they became translucent. In this message from Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 to 23, Pastor Chris unpacks how that happened and how we start seeing people again. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chris Childs. When my daughter woke up this morning, I was in my home office getting ready for today. And when she woke up, she said to her mommy, you got her out of bed. She says, where's daddy? I want to see daddy. And at that time, I was going out into the kitchen. I was grabbing some coffee. And she popped into my office and said, well, Daddy, Daddy, where are you? I wasn't in there. And, and she says, Daddy, I said, Braylon, I'm over here. And she scrambled over to where I was in the kitchen. And she had this big smile on her face. She came over. She wrapped her arms around me. I wrapped my arms around her. And she said, Daddy, you're not going to work today. And I said, well, actually, honey, I am. But guess what? I'm going to take vacation. I'm going to be on vacation this week. Do you know what that means? And she says, no, what does it mean? I said, it, it means on, on Monday, tomorrow, I'm not, I'm not going to work. And, and you see this tiny little smile on her face. And I said, on Tuesday, I'm not going to work. And she saw the smile on her face. And on Wednesday, I'm not going to work. And you just see the smile growing. And on Thursday, and on Friday, and Saturday, and next Sunday. And by the time I get there, the smile is huge. She's so excited that her daddy is going to be there with her. And there's this joy in my heart of my daughter likes to be with me. That she values that. And then there's also this, this tension, this heartache there, because maybe you could call it conviction to acknowledge that I, I'm not present with her as much as I wish I was. And I'm not talking about am I at work or am I at home. Everyone has things that they do, and I love what I get to do. But when I'm present with her, when I'm in the room with her, when I'm on the floor playing blocks, am I present with her? Am I right there with her, not just in body, but in mind and in heart? Or am I thinking about something else? Part of what made 2020 so hard is that we stopped seeing each other. That even when we were in the same room, we were so overwhelmed and so afraid that seeing one another became difficult. It's as if people became translucent. We all got so preoccupied with our own concerns, 
I got so preoccupied with my own concerns that when I was on the floor playing with my daughter for so much of 2020, I almost didn't even see her while I was there. And I know there are moments that I did, so I'm overstating it, but there are also a lot of moments where I said I'm on the floor playing with you, except I have my phone out because I'm scrolling through what's happening next here on the news. I this panic of I have to keep up on what's happening or else, or else something. And it's not just about phone usage. It's not just about when we're with our family. It's at the grocery store. Many of us were so preoccupied that we didn't see the other people that we were talking to. And it's on a national level. It's like people with different opinions and perspectives and political leanings. We, we have people who, who think differently. And so often we looked past each other. We failed to see the real person. We just saw what their people stand for. In 2020, we stopped seeing each other. We stopped really being present. And this division that we've seen in our nation, it's not just that we have disagreements. We've always had disagreements. We've always had people thinking differently. That's called a blessing. It's a good thing. We're better off because we have people who see things differently. But we're seeing things differently without seeing each other. What's happening here? I can tell you what it is for me. I can tell you for me, my issue of not seeing people is this issue of not being fully present. In part, it's, it's because I'm, I'm not present because I'm a limited person. I get so caught up in the past of thinking of what happened you know, isn't that what the news is? It's things that happened before. I get so caught up in thinking about the past, thinking about the past of what, what I've been doing, what other people have been doing, that, that I lose track of it. Yeah, I'm thinking about when I'm on the floor with my daughter and I'm playing with her and then something happens. It's just this faint little trigger that says, Oh, you remember that one thing that happened in your life? There's this odd experience being a dad. Maybe some of you have experienced something like this before. As I watch her grow up, I watch her develop. It's like almost as if I'm watching myself 30 years ago and saying, is that where I got this idea from? And I start reflecting on that, what happened there, and I forget to be present here. Or maybe just something that comes up and I remember a conversation that happened yesterday or last week. I lose track of what's coming. It keeps me out of the present. Or I'm worried about what's going to happen in the future. Where I'm watching the news. I'm not present here in this moment. I'm in another place, wherever those events are happening. Or where I'm on Facebook. I'm, I'm in other people's homes and other people's lives watching what they're doing rather than in my own life. I want to be present. My bride and my daughter, they need me to be present. And present 
It's the only place I can live. I can't live in the future. It's not here yet. I can't live in the past. It's gone. But it's so hard. It's so hard. When I think of this story that Richard read for us a little bit ago, Jesus and Peter on the water. Jesus sends his disciples out into the boat. They just got done re feeding the 5,000 people. He sends his disciples out into the boat, sends them onto the water. And he stays on the shore to dismiss the crowds and to pray. And the storm comes up on the water. Jesus is still on the shore. The storm comes up and the disciples are on the boat, on the water, they're panicked. In the middle of the night, about 3 or 4 a.m., Jesus walks out on the water to them. And Jesus' disciples, they see someone walking on the water and they think it's a ghost. And they're scared. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. And then he identifies himself. Jesus identifies himself with the words that God uses in the Old Testament when Moses asks, what's your name? And God said these words then. He said to Moses, and Jesus says these words now. He says, I am am. Jesus says to his disciples, don't be afraid. I am. Those words, I am, they mean I am the one who always was, the one who is, the one who continues to be with you no matter how crazy this world gets. And bold Peter stands up in the boat, leans forward and says, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, if you are the I am, tell me to come out walking on the water with you. Can you see the smile on Jesus' face? Yes. Come. Peter jumps out of this boat. He walks on the water toward Jesus. And then the same thing happens to Peter. It happens to all of us. Peter looks over at the wind. And he looks at the waves. Peter lost his nerve, and he began to sink. Peter cries out, Lord, save me! And what happens next? What happens when you begin to sink? What happens when you see the wind and the waves and worry about what is coming? What happens when you see the waves, the problems that you see, and the wind, the problems that you can't see, but you know that they're there? What happens when you say, I can't count on the great I am, the God who claims to continue to be no matter how crazy this world gets. I can't count on that God. What happens when you begin to sink? Listen to this. Listen up right here because I've gotten the story wrong so many times before and I want you to get it right. I used to believe I used to believe that Jesus caught Peter just in time, not in a I'm here for you kind of way, but in a I've got you by the pressure point and I'm dragging you to the principal's office kind of way. That Jesus dragged Peter back on the boat and slaps him on the wrist. And with a glare of disappointment and disgust in his eyes, Jesus says to, Pe to Peter, ye of little faith. You good-for-nothing doubter, why did you think you could walk with me?
But listen to what really happens. Jesus' first response is to save. Peter's walking on the water. He sees the storm, the waves, the wind. He begins to sink. He cries out for help. And Jesus catches him by the hand. You see that? Jesus is paying attention. Jesus was ready. Jesus wasn't thinking about something else. It's not like when I'm on the floor claiming to be playing with blocks with my daughter, but really I'm thinking about something that happened next week or something I hope to happen in two weeks. Jesus is paying attention. He's right there. He's present. Jesus is ready. Jesus cares. Jesus wants to rescue you. First, Jesus saves, and then he serves at that point of acknowledged need. Can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus had caught Peter before he cried out? What if, you know, Peter just started to slip, just started to almost doubt, almost started to look at the waves, almost started to sink, and Jesus would have caught him. Peter would have gotten the message. He would have gotten the message, Peter, I know you're going to fail. You don't have what it takes. But instead, Jesus waits until Peter acknowledges his need. Jesus waits until Peter says, help, Lord. And by waiting, Jesus is saying, I know you can do this. So when it goes wrong, Jesus says, let's figure out what went wrong. And certainly Jesus knows that the sinking issue isn't the only issue here. He doesn't just catch Peter. But Jesus starts there because that's where Peter's at. He, he listens by going to that place where Peter's at. So Jesus' first response is to save. And to save how? To save at that point of acknowledged need. Jesus is so present. And then Jesus doesn't say, you have little faith in this judgmental, condemning kind of way that I've always heard it before. It's endearing, actually. Jesus reaches out, catches Peter by the hand, pulls him to safety and says, little faith one. The word you isn't even there in the Bible. That's added on our English translations, but the way it was written, the way Jesus said, the word you isn't even in there. Just little faith one. It's endearing. It's kind. It's loving. I like how the message transliteration describes it. Uses the word, oh, faint heart. Oh, faint heart. And it had that with some honest curiosity. Why do you doubt? Why did you doubt, faint heart? What held you back from trusting? Where did this fear come from? Did you catch that? Jesus was present. Jesus served at that point of need. And not just the needs that Jesus saw. He saw many at the point that Peter saw. 
He spoke to Pierre with love, a faint heart. Oh, little faith one. And asked an honest curiosity question. Where did this fear come from? What's going on here? But hold on, you say. You say, I try to be present, Pastor. But then what happens? When I try to be present and I slow down and I stop what I'm doing, my mind is overrun with words of condemnation and fear. When I try to be present, I hear the words in my head, you're not enough. You can't. You'll just fail at anything you try. Who do you think you are? You'll just mess this up. And fear of rejection sinks in. And the thought crosses my mind. Nobody wants you here. Nobody wants to connect with you. You will never be loved. You know what that voice sounds like for you. I've talked with enough people to know that most of us hear that voice. It's like you're holding back that onslaught of condemnation with your busyness and your hurriedness and your distractions. And when you put a pause on all the things that you use to numb and distract yourself, and you allow yourself to live and be present, it all comes crashing in like a wave. And if you manage to push aside the personal condemnation, then your mind drifts to all the things you could be working on. You don't have time for this. You don't have time to be on the floor playing blocks. You're falling behind. Maybe it's a mocking voice. Go ahead, be present here. Stop and talk to that person who seems like they're going through something. You'll pay for it later. Maybe for you, it's that you just think of all that's wrong in the world. You watch the news, you think about the news, the fear, the hate, the virus, the destruction of this planet, the racism, the scarcity, the politics. And you feel your own panic rising as cortisol races through your veins. And in your panic state, you can't just choose to be present. So how can we see people like Jesus? How can we be present like Jesus is? I'll tell you how. Do you know what Jesus did? Did you catch what happened before he went out on the water with the disciples? Did you see it? I missed it. I missed it the first several times that I've read that passage, even this week. But did you catch it? Jesus dismisses the crowd and as he sends the disciples out into the boat. And then where does he go? He goes and prays. He took the time to deal with all that stuff that's going in inside of him. He took the time to deal with all that fear and doubt and struggle 
if Jesus, the I am, needed to take time to pray, don't you and I? For me, when I take that time, here's what it looks like. It looks like sitting with my cup of coffee in the morning or hot water and lime juice in the afternoon. Sitting by a window. And letting the wave come crashing in. Be present in that moment. Letting that wave come crashing in. And it's prayer, not just reflection, because I'm present in that moment with Jesus. That as that fear comes crashing in, I say, God, you see that? What do you want to say about that? And then another wave crashes in. God, do you see that one? That hurt about the past? That fear about the future? What do you want to say to that? See, I, it doesn't work very well for me. When I come to prayer with an agenda, what works for me is when I come to prayer to be present with God, to whatever waves come crashing in. And when I do that, I don't do it well. But when I do that, then when I go to be present with the people I love and the people I don't know well enough yet, I've already dealt with those, those waves. When they come crashing at me, I say, I've already taken, taken this wave to God. I know what God says about this one. We can't love people if we don't see them. So with our family and friends, let's follow Jesus' model. First we pray, but then we pay attention. We stay present. We serve these people at their point of acknowledging need, not where we think we need to fix them, the point where they say, help. And we love them. We see them. We speak words that indicate that we see them. I'm luring with my own daughter to say things like, you like blocks. Not say, you like blocks that's so good. Crave this praise and recognition. Just, you like blocks, and I see that. Pay attention to serve, to love them, and ask curiosity questions. What do you want to do with the blocks? What brings you joy? What are you going through? And with strangers, even in the grocery, to pay attention, stay present. Serve others at their point of, of acknowledged need. And if we slow down enough to pay attention, we'll see it. If we slow down enough to pay attention, to be present, and to indicate to people somehow that we see them. The opportunities to serve, we're going to see them. And the love, to speak with love, not an, oh, poor you, you need that help, but, oh, that's really hard. Ask curiosity questions. 
And even across the political aisle with that person that you don't talk about politics with, stay present with them and pay attention. What are they going through? What are they really going through? What's drawing them to this perspective? And what does it mean to serve this person? What does it mean to speak words of love, not condemnation or criticism? And ask questions of honest curiosity, like Jesus does. Oh, where's this coming from? If you want to this year to be your unshakable year, I ask that you say the following prayer with me using the words on the screen. When you say this prayer, be present with us, Jesus. We have such little faith. We struggle to be present. We struggle to love. We admit that we have not loved you with our whole heart. In our self-protection, we have failed to love the people around us. We have blinded our eyes to people who face injustice. We have even failed to love ourselves as your children. We ask that you forgive, heal, and send us to carry your love into this world by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the good news. When you and I are sinking into the sea of our guilt and of our shame, Jesus grabs us by the hand and pulls us to safety. That proves God's love toward us. And the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thank you for listening. If you found today's podcast meaningful, we invite you to subscribe to all of the podcasts from Grace Atumwa. Grace is a congregation of the United Methodist Church located in Otumwa, Iowa. For more information on this podcast or other information on the ministries of Grace Otumwa, you can find us on the web at www.graceotumwa.org. Thank you for listening.